Good morning, everyone. I'm just putting my timer so that I don't uh, take a lot of your time. I thank uh, Brother Luke for giving me this opportunity and also the elders uh, for providing this opportunity to come here to share uh, what's happening in India and also message from God's Word. It's always joy for me to uh, join with brothers and sisters to worship the Lord and to bless His name. Uh, you can tell by my accent and my skin that I'm from India. And uh, when I came to States for the first time, I'm speaking English, but nobody's understanding my English. Uh, so one of my friends took me to his room and said, Brother, don't get discouraged. You are speaking English, but we are speaking Texan. Uh, before I share message, I would like to uh, share a few updates from uh, Mission Field. Uh, myself and my wife uh, work in India. Uh, this is my wife. Some of you might have remember her. She's from Texas, uh, Panhandle area. She so wanted to be here this morning, uh, but she's in uh, Shamrock, Texas, to take care of her dad, who's not doing well. After we came to states, we came to know that he's having cancer. So she's with her parents because we don't get to see them a lot because we live in India and serve in India. And my son uh, Joshua, he's 13 months old and. Uh, is amazing, a great, great, great son. And uh, we work in India. Next slide. Uh, what we do is uh, we bring nationals, train them uh, for church planting, discipleship, and evangelism. Uh, by God's grace, with humility, I say every year uh, we plant 40 new churches in India, 40, 40 new churches in India every year. This is one of the groups that we just trained and send them, send them out uh, to plant churches. They have begun discipleship ministry, Bible studies, home groups, and the Lord continue to do, do work in India. Next year, or in a in couple of years, we wanted to have a small seminary so that we have uh, 200 graduates each year uh, to plant churches in India. When I say planting churches, uh, we go to very remote villages where there is no church, where there is no Christian. We go there, share the gospel, love on people, and, and uh, bring them to the kingdom of God and plant churches. That's one of the ministries that we are involved. And secondly, we have a small orphanage. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, right now, we have 21 kids at this orphanage. My parents started this in 2001, and I am on board with them. And I support this ministry. I help with this ministry. The kids are getting ready to go to school. Um, majority of them uh, do not have parents. They were on the streets. We rescued them. Now we send them to public school. They get into trouble every single day because they talk about Jesus in school. And, but they're so faithful, continue to sing about Jesus, share gospel with our fellow students and teachers. Next slide. He's one of the students. His name is Sudhir. Uh, we adopted him to our orphanage like way back when he was, uh, I believe, three years old. His mother died of uh, uh, TB, TB disease, 
and his father died later on, same year. They have no parents, nobody. We adopted him and his uh, young, older brother. We sent them, we send them to school, and now he's finishing his college. And it's completely God thing that he's uh, top in his college. And he got the first grade. He became top student in his college, and the Lord continued to uh, bless these children. We take them when they're in elementary school, like age one, age two, I mean, grade one, grade two. And we provide them until they finish their high school. After their high school, uh, they are free to go uh, to get a higher education, to find job, to get married, and do whatever they want. We provide them free fooding, food, clothes, and we teach about Jesus every single day. Most of these kids, they gave their lives to Christ after they came to uh, orphanage. Next slide. This is a study center. It's like an after-school program. We just launched a, a month ago while we were in India. Uh, right now, we have 30 uh, students who come every single day to our church uh, to get help with their homework, and we teach them Bible, and we feed them some snacks. This uh, church is in a communist village. Can you guess we have still communists in India? So this is a communist village. Uh, we started church planting in this communist village, and the Lord has blessed. And my brother is one of the my brother is the pastor of uh, this small congregation. We have like 70 to 80 people who gather for worship every single every Sunday and worship the Lord. So this is the brand new ministry that we launched. These children are very poor children. Uh, they don't get any help with their homework. They don't have any uh, buddy who can coach them, guide them, help them. Now we have a teacher that we pay and we give a free after-school uh, assistance to these uh, kids. Next slide. And this is one of the ministries that we have launched during COVID time. During COVID time, uh, uh, our India was uh, under a nationwide lockdown. When you say nationwide lockdown, you cannot go out. If the police see you, you are on the street, they will physically beat you. Stores were closed all day long, except a couple of hours. You just buy groceries and you walk out. And uh, people are even having a hard time to cut their hair because barber shops were closed. So we identified 10 unemployed young fellows. We trained them how to cut hair. We taught them uh, barber skills. Along with that, we taught them how to share gospel because once you're in barbershop for the next 20 minutes, you have no way to escape. So you have to... <laughs> so he has a, his, his scissor and his uh, hair, you know, and so he would be... He, he, the client has to be uh, obedient to the barber. So he would cut his hair and share the gospel. We, tra we trained them for six months. At the end, we gave them tools to launch barber skills, uh, barber uh, shop and uh, to share gospel with them. So we were there for the graduation. Now they have their own small businesses and they are sharing gospel with the clients and also they are now part of a local church, sharing gospel with barber uh, saloon skills. Next slide. So what we do in India, one of the ministries that is we rescue women from prostitution, slavery, from landlords. Uh, in the, when I go back, when, when I, uh, the communist village has a one, one, one young woman. She has a three, woman, three younger daughters. 
In India, we have this uh, practice called dowry, where women have to pay to husband, bring money, her share. Uh, she borrowed uh, maybe a couple of hundred dollars worth of Indian rupees from a landlord, and she could not pay back. The landlord began abusing her physically, beating her sexually, uh, abusing her, and she is unable to go out and talk about it because in India we have this shame and honor culture. So we came to know about her, we began ministering to her, helped her to come out of this situation, we taught her sewing skills, and now she is a leader in the church and she's able to share gospel with fellow uh, ladies. Similarly, every six months, we take 10 to 12 uh, ladies. We teach them uh, sewing skills for six months, how to stitch clothes, because in India, uh, sometimes it is expensive to buy a shirt that is ready to wear. So you buy the material. You, you buy the material, take to tailor, and he would stitch for you for cheaper price. So we teach them how to stitch pants, how to... Uh, stitch shirts, and also we have a missionary who shared gospel with them every single day. And uh, so, two, three months ago, <clears throat> we launched a sewing school to Muslims. You know, in India, we have so many Muslims. Eighty percent of Indians are, eighty plus percent of Indians are Hindus, and we have between fifteen to sixteen percent are uh, Muslims. Lots of Muslims in India, and not many churches reaching Muslims. So the Lord put. Uh, heavy burden on my heart to reach Muslims uh, with the gospel of Jesus. I know they are hard people to reach. Uh, they are very close. They have a narrow mind. But again, you know, we have the gospel. Gospel is more powerful than any other powers. Uh, so we just started sewing skill to these 10 women who never exposed to gospel. And now we have missionary who is teaching Bible every single day and they will be graduating in October or December, and I'll be there. And you, in the picture, you see my wife, myself, my parents, my brother, his wife, and the local missionary. So you may want to pray for these uh, uh, 10 Muslims that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if these 10 women come to faith in Jesus Christ? The entire village will have the opportunity uh, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next slide. So this is something that we are doing in India. So you pray for us. We are in stateside uh, to take care of some uh, needs like a passport and visa and also to see, also to see my uh, wife's parents. And we'll be going back on 21st of this month. And so you keep us in our prayers. Pray for me. Pray for my wife. My wife is still learning the local language, Telugu language. Uh, Telugu language is the third highest spoken language in India. We have worked all over India. The Lord is powerfully moving. We are able to plant many churches, baptize many people, and reach many Muslims and Hindus with the gospel of Jesus Christ because India is so big with 1.34 billion and less than 3% of them are Christians. So we need your prayers. And again, thank you so much for this morning, for listening to my stories. <clears throat> I would like to share uh, God's word for you this morning from the book of uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians. We have read the passage. Uh, our message is from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and uh, 18. 16, 17, and 18. Uh, when, I read about, uh, when I read this text, uh, I learned three principles. You know, we have this question, 
uh, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will uh, for my life? We read Bible to know God's will. We pray to God to know God's will. We talk to people to know God's will. Uh, we have so much desire to know what is uh, God's will. Paul is addressing in this uh, letter about God's will. Paul is addressing in this letter, particularly in these verses about uh, God's will. As we study this uh, text together, may the Holy Spirit help us to discern God's will uh, for us and for our lives. First of all, Paul is encouraging God's will is to rejoice always. God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to rejoice always. Think about Paul. Paul wrote this letter uh, late uh, 50s AD, and he was a great apostle. I really love Paul, his lifestyle, his missionary enthusiasm, his passion for Christ. In fact, I wanted to name my son as Paul. Uh, before I got married, my brother got married, and he named his son Paul. Now I could not uh, name my son Paul, but I named him Joshua, another powerful name. I, like, I really like Paul. And Paul uh, suffered so much for the sake of gospel. Yet he was so joyful. He had that attitude of rejoicing in the Lord. He's encouraging the church in Thessalonians to have an attitude of joyfulness, to, to be joyful for the thing that the Lord has done for them. When you read in chapter 5, he's talking about the day of the Lord. So he's giving his final instructions in chapter 5 to the church, saying that Jesus is going to come back soon. You need to prepare yourself by being joyful every single day of our life. Is it possible to be joyful every day? No, it is not possible because we are in flesh. We are human beings. But the Bible is reminding us that we need to make choices to be joyful every day. There are two words that comes to our mind when we think about joy. One is happiness. Second one is joy. And both are different. Happiness is different from joy. Joy is different from happiness. When you eat steak, you're so happy. When you eat bluebell ice cream, you're so happy. When you meet your friend, you're so happy. When you buy a new shirt, you're so happy. When you buy a house, you're so happy. And sometimes happiness can be uh, temporary, you know. You eat dinner, very good dinner. I love chicken. I love uh, rice. We eat a lot of rice in India. I, I love rice. And when I eat rice, I will, I'm happy. And I feel so hungry next time and for my lunch next day. So happiness is temporary. It is emotional. It can be changed from situation to situation, circumstance to circumstance. But the joy is eternal. Joy is something Jesus gives to all of us who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Paul was so joyful, and he's encouraging all of us to be joyful for the gift of salvation. I come from India. In India, there are so many Hindus. There are so many gods and goddesses in Hinduism. It is said there are 33 million gods and goddesses. They don't know how their sins can be forgiven. They don't have the gift of salvation, and they don't know how they can have peace with God. 
They go to temples, offer coconuts, offer flowers, and the priest will pray for them. And yet they don't have peace, joy in their hearts. But as a brothers and sisters in Christ, as a believers in Christ, we have joy for the gift of salvation. We should be joyful for the gift of salvation. We don't have to pay anything. Jesus paid everything on the cross. He, he became our sacrifice. He died in our place. He paid the price and he bought us with the, the price. And we are the children of God. We are the sons and, and daughters of the most holy God. We should be happy for the free gift of salvation. One of my friends was telling me about a story of a woman in India. Uh, she went to do a worship in a big river called Ganges. In North India, there is a big, big river called Ganges. They have big festivals, and people go there to immerse themselves into water, thinking that that Ganges rivers would forgive them. So she went, and, uh, uh, and, and she, she was feeling so guilty. She was so sinful, and uh, she saw, she, somebody told her that the best way for her sins to be forgiven is to sacrifice her one and only six months baby. She took the six months baby and put into water and died. So she was feeling so sad that she lost her one and only son. And she was sitting there and crying and one of the missionaries went to her, began sharing the gospel. And she listened for a minute, for a few minutes, and said, if this is true, why you did not come to me 15 minutes ago? Hindus do not know what is salvation. Muslims do not know what is salvation. They do not know that Jesus forgave them. Jesus died for me. He died for you. He died for you. He died for you. He died for everybody so that we can be saved, so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we have a place in heaven and we can be with Jesus Christ forever. There is a hope for us, brothers and sisters. So Paul is encouraging the church in Thessalonians. He's talking about hope, of, hope, hope in Jesus Christ. He's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about the salvation. He's talking about many things for the church. And at the end, he's closing this letter saying that rejoice always. We should be joyful. And again, when you read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Paul was beaten, he was put into prison, he was stoned, he was mocked, he, he was persecuted, he endured so much hardship, yet he was so joyful because of Jesus Christ. We read in Psalm number 16, verse 11, Psalmist says, there is a fullness of joy in your presence. When we come to church, there is joy. When we talk with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, there is joy. There is joy because of Jesus Christ. We have joy because of our hope, eternal hope, salvation, because of Son Jesus Christ. So I encourage all of you to be joyful always. It is something we choose. There are so many things around the world 
When you watch television, we can get discouraged. When you read newspaper, we can get discouraged. When you see what's happening around the world, we can get discouraged. But let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. He's our author and finisher of our faith. So what is God's will? God's will is to rejoice always. Trusting him. And secondly, in verse 17, Paul says, uh, Paul says, uh, in verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means pray always. Can I have the next slide, please? Pray always. Rejoice always. Pray always. And uh, when you think about Paul, he's encouraging the church. Hey, church in Thessalonica, please pray always. Not just when you go to church or when you read my letter, or when you meet a Christian brother, or when you have trouble, or sickness, pray every time you have the opportunity. A man of God said, you might have heard this before, more prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. No prayer, no power. Let me say again, more prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. No prayer, no power. <laughs> Paul is encouraging all of us. This letter was written to Thessalonians, and also this letter is for us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us that we need to pray more and more and more. I showed you a picture of... Uh, 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 program after school in a communist village. We are in big trouble right now. In, in fact, God saved us from that trouble because just two weeks ago, right after I, I landed in the States, my brother called me. My brother, I have three brothers and three sisters, very godly people, very active in local church. My parents are missionaries there. My father is a pastor and my brother also, one of my brothers is a pastor and he's pastoring this small church in communist village. He called me and said, I am in a big trouble. I said, what happened? Somebody in that village where we started this after-school program complained to police that my brother is forcefully converting these 30 children to Christianity. And he called many Hindu big, big organizations telling them that he's converting these children forcefully. The news went to my brother the police called him. People are cursing him. And again, you know, India is uh, uh, ruled by a Hindu government. He was taken to police station. We were so feeling tensed. We don't know what to do. We cannot fight because we don't have freedom of religion in India. And secondly, Hindus are majority. Christians are minority group in India. All we did is pray. We called the church to pray for us. As a family, we began praying more. Myself, Paige, my wife, Paige, we began praying more, interceding. And we called other pastors and said, hey, can you pray for us? We are in big trouble right now. They could arrest me anytime. And they are telling, you need to shut down this church and uh, also close this uh, study center. Two weeks later, 
the police officer called my brother and said, I am monitoring the situation. I'm with you. I support you. And he said, I am also a believer. The Lord sent me to this area, maybe just for you, to protect you. Don't get worried. Yesterday morning, my brother called me while I was in Shamrock with my wife and her family. And he said, police came to the village endorsing my brother and telling that it's all right for the church to continue. This all just happened because of prayer. There is so much power in prayer. I want to encourage all of us to spend as much time in prayer because this situation was so tense because it was on online. They published some audios and videos and spreading my brother's name, phone number, church name. We were so worried. It's still on YouTube. And they're trying to circulate around so that my brother can be in more trouble. But now the policeman says, I am beside you. I am on your side. This all happened. It's because of the prayer. When we pray, God listen to us. You know, the primary way God speaks to us is through his word. We have the scripture. We have the Bible. God speaks to us through his scripture, through his word. We come to church on Sunday to study God's word. We attend Bible studies. We attend discipleship groups. Why? To study God's word, to hear his voice. And we, we talk to God through prayer. Prayer is a communication with God. Talking to God, having communion with God. It's like a relationship between a father and a son. I just left my son yesterday. I drove here so that I could be here, but I already miss him. It is less than 24 hours. I'll get to see him again tomorrow morning, but I miss him so much. If I don't see him more than two days, I feel so sad. Same thing with Heavenly Father. If you don't talk to him in prayer, he will be so, so sad and he's waiting for us so that we can, he can listen to us, so that we can talk to him because we, each time we come together as a, as a church, each time we pray, God, Jesus is so happy that we are in communication with him. Prayer also a symbol of dependency upon God. Each time we, when we go to church or each time when we pray, each time when we get on our knees, we are telling that, Jesus, you are everything. I am depending upon you. You are my soul. You are my spirit. You are my everything. Without you, I can do nothing. It is a, telling Jesus that you are my Lord. You are my shepherd. I am just your servant. Prayer also tells us the symbol of dwelling in his presence. In his presence. Trusting God. Because what we do is, we are human beings. When we are in trouble, we try to use our brain. Yes, absolutely, we, you can use your brain. We need friends, absolutely. We need uh, advisors, we need all kinds of help. But the Bible is telling us, we need to run to God first. Pray always. Paul prayed in prison. Paul prayed when he was in ups and downs. And he's encouraging the church, 
the day of the Lord is approaching, is near. Church, get up, pray, get on your knees. Can I ask you one question? How much time you are praying every day? It's up to you. It's between you and the Lord. Jesus was so busy when he was on this earth. Preaching, healing, feeding, traveling. But scripture says in Mark, he got up early in the morning, went to the mountain to pray. And again, we read in the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, it says, he spent all night long praying. I want to encourage all of us, including myself, to pray more. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, he said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, according to his will, he will do for us. Rejoice always. Pray always. And finally, he's encouraging us to give thanks always. Give thanks always. Verse 18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks always in all circumstances. You know, I give thanks to God when I'm so healthy. <laughs> I'm so happy, I'm so joyful when things are going good with me. But I get so depressed when things are not going well with me. But Paul is encouraging the church. Paul is encouraging all of us through this letter that we need to give thanks in all circumstances. In good times, bad times. When you're in good health, when you're in bad shape. When, when you are in good shape or in bad shape. In all circumstances, give thanks. There are so many things to complain. To, to, to live in negative attitude. But do you realize, I am from India, but when I come to states, I realize there is so much religious, religious freedom in this country. Are we thankful? Like in India, in African countries some, and in the Middle East, there is no freedom. We have churches, we have friends who live in the Middle East, they would tell us that they cannot meet for worship on Sundays because it is a Muslim country. They only can meet for a couple of hours on Friday because on Friday Muslims worship their Allah. There is so much freedom in this country. Do, are we thankful for that? Religious freedom. There is so much food here. You know, can you imagine the food that we waste in this country can feed the entire India? The food that we waste in this country. When my wife came to India, she had a very hard time to eat chicken. Because in India, when you say chicken, it comes with bones. So she don't know how to eat meat around the bones. So I taught her. 
even if we eat bones, you know, it is actually very tasty if we try or not. Chicken bones. <laughs> there is so much food here. There are so many opportunities here. There is so much literature here. Like right now, uh, I, am, I have a desire. I did not tell this with my wife, but because she may not like me, but my, my desire is to write a study Bible in my language. Because I'm so busy, if I tell her, like, you know, will you give more time to me or not? Because she thinks I'm always busy, which, which is true, and this put extra burden on me, but there is no Bible in our language. It's a study Bible. We only have one, one version of Telugu Bible. In India, there are many languages that still do not have a copy of God's Word in their language. But we have so many versions of the Bible. Are we thankful for that? The availability that we have, God's Word, yet we don't read the Bible. Many things to be thankful the moment we carry negative thoughts in our mind, when we don't have a heart of gratitude, our life will be different. But when we have a heart of gratitude, when we are thankful, thanking God for the freedom, thanking God for the life, thanking God for the family, thanking God for salvation, thanking God for all the blessings He's giving us every single day, our life will be content. And we become more and more and more grateful. I have one habit. Good habit, you know. Sometimes I don't do this, but most of the times I do this. That is, I have one journal. Front of the journal, I write all my praise points, uh, prayer points, all my prayers, my personal prayer request, my family prayer request, my friend's prayer request, my church prayer request. I write all the prayer requests in the front of my journal. And at the end of the journal, I write my praise points. How the Lord answered my prayers. The testimonies, answers to my prayers. And at the end of the year, I'll go back to my journal and wait both. When I count the pages, I have more prayers that has prayer po praise points, God answered prayers, than the prayer points. That means God continue to bless us. And we have so many things to give thanks. So I want to encourage all of us to be, to, to be thankful to the Lord, to be thankful to each other, to have the attitude of gratitude in all circumstances because God has a great plan and purpose for all of us. Sometimes he would let us go through that sickness. He would let us go through that persecution. He would let us go through that depression. He would let us go through some circumstance because he wants to use those circumstances to draw us closer to him. So let us be thankful in all circumstances. Some of you know John Wesley, well-known preacher and church leader, 13 years before his conversion. John Wesley was talking to a person in his college. He was a custodial in his college. 
He was talking to a custodian in his college. He was so impressed. So he was talking to him because this custodian has only one coat to wear. He had eaten no food that day, and yet his heart was full of gratitude to God. Wesley said to him, you thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and no bed to lie upon. What else do you thank him for? Custodial said, I thank him that he has given me my life and being and heart to love him and a desire to serve him. Custodial has nothing other than just small coat. He has no place to sleep. He has nothing to eat. But he was so happy and thankful and joyful. Why? Because Custodial know that Jesus loves him. So let us be thankful in all circumstances because that is the will of God. Paul is instructing the church in Thessalonica and also talking to us through this letter. And the Holy Spirit is reminding all of us, you and me, God's will for our lives in Jesus Christ is to rejoice always, to pray always, to give thanks always. Is it easy to be joyful always? Is it easy to pray always? Is it easy to give thanks always? No. But the good news is, we serve a living God. We have the Holy Spirit that reminds us, that, that draws us to Christ to be joyful and to pray and to give thanks. May the Lord help us to please Him, to do His will. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you for your Son, Jesus Christ. The scripture says, while we were at sinners, Jesus died for us. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to me and speaking through me, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in this worship hall. I pray that you help us to rejoice always. Help us to pray more and to be thankful always. Lord, we are in flesh. It's, it's difficult sometimes. Circumstance, friends, situations influence us. I pray that you would help us to do your will. Your will for our lives in Jesus Christ is to rejoice in you, to pray more, to give thanks always. Help us to grow in you, Lord. We thank you for this letter. Thank you so much for the people who heard the message today. May you help us to implement in our lives. Live according to your word.
Thank you. Forgive our sins. We need you so much. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.